episode 106, Jens Pulver. Welcome to the Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Live limitless, tracking down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Do the little guy a favor, subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back. Check out this fantastic podcast. If you want to take it to another level, the Alpha Ultimatum, my mentoring and coaching for men worldwide who know they are capable of way more. Go to adamlewiswalker.com, click get involved, claim a limited strategy session with me. Don't delay though, these are limited. Obviously there's only one of me and I'm talking to all of you personally. So get in there. We start mid-January, so you need to get your allocation in now so I can talk to you before the start. Get to the podcast. Okay, guys, we have Jens Pulver on the line today. He is known as Little Evil. He grew up in an environment that could few could imagine uh, that would cripple most spirits. From his brutal beginning, Jens Pulver spent a lifetime fighting to overcome the poverty of his circumstance, corralling the physical and spiritual demons of his childhood, and eventually unleashing them into the world of mixed martial arts where he rose to epic proportions. In 2001, Jens Polvik became the first lightweight world champion under the now multi-billion dollar fight industry that is the UFC, an ultimate fighting champion for anyone who's not from that world. Jens Polvik's image is branded into video games, t-shirts, athletic gear, and the minds of millions of mixed martial arts fans around the world. And I became aware of Jens through a brilliant recommendation through Richie Cranny. And as soon as Richie recommended him, I was straight into the gym next and I just started talking to someone and they knew about Jens Pulver straight away and they actually wanted me to pass on some questions. So uh, he really is a worldwide name who's has really inspired millions. So firstly, Jens, are you ready to awaken your alpha? I am. I, yes, I need to. My wife will tell you right now, Jens, it's time to become an alpha, man. <laughs> I've been sitting around to tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. A little bit delayed today because you're actually coaching and training just literally minutes ago, weren't you? I know you had, a, you had to cover a class. Yeah, I run the, uh, I do the dad's class in the morning, so I'm in here at nine. So yeah, I train that every three times a week, and then the rest of the time I'm just kind of doing my own thing and trying to stay in shape, you know, a little bit. And I get, I don't want to get too bulbous. I don't want to say that. I don't want to get too bulbous. So, <laughs> you know, I just come in every day, but I do. I'm starting to bring myself back into the gym more and more and coach a little bit. You came from being a, you know, an undefeated boxer and kickboxer. Uh, you were the first UFC world champion for lightweights, and you were the youngest UFC uh, world champion in history. Apart from what we can get from sort of online in the bio, this is our origin question, really. Uh, you know, where did you, where did you come from? What did you want to be when you was growing up? Well, you know, the first thing was I wanted to be a jockey. So my whole life, uh, basically growing up, I spent my I was on horseback. Every morning, I'd have to go down and I'd gallop horses, and you know, then we'd go to school. I was gonna be a thoroughbred jockey. There was, you didn't even think twice about it. And you know, so I, and then all of a sudden, when I was a sophomore, going into the basically going into my sophomore year. So when you turn, I turned 16. You have to be 16 years old to ride. So yeah. that summer, going in, I gained boom. I shot up seven inches, got to basically 155 pounds. Basically, I'm exactly the same size now, minus, you know, weight fluctuations of muscle or fat or whatever, but I'm basically the same frame I was as a sophomore in high school. I wrestled every year at 135, and I just got too big. So I'm too big to be small, and I'm too small to be big, so I got stuck right in the middle. But I, that kind of ended, slash crushed my uh, riding dreams, and I just gave up 
I don't think I've been on maybe two horses since then. And uh, it just kind of, it just broke me, you know, when I was going to be able to be a jockey. And so then I got, again, I got real heavy into wrestling and I loved wrestling. I enjoyed it. Then it was that combative style, that one-on-one. I mean, I loved it. And so it just kind of went natural as I started watching the UFC and I started seeing people like Randy Couture, Mark Coleman, you know, all these wrestlers, Townsend Saunders, you know, and even Pat Millett that you had wrestling background with his martial arts style. And I'm thinking, ooh, okay, this now this is it right here. I mean, yeah. I always wanted to be a boxer. I always wished I could have been a boxer. I wanted to be a heavyweight. You know, I wanted to be a, a boxing world champion growing up, of course. And then when I seen this, I thought, you know what? This is perfect. I have, you know, I have my wrestling background, wrestling to college, and I can go out there and I can start working on my boxing. And if I don't like it, eh, you know what? All right, I'll take you down. So it was like basically boxing with training wheels, yeah. and I was ready to give it a shot. That was when I got started. But being the combative style, that one-on-one, I love it, you know. And if you ask me on the on the you know the, the personal side, what I love it so much about it is, you know, that's what helped save my life. Wrestling saved my life, and if it wasn't for wrestling, you know, I'd be. I don't know if I graduated high school. I'm yeah. sure I wouldn't have went to college. I damn sure know I wouldn't have graduated college. And none of you would know me today if it wasn't for wrestling. We can just touch on it if you want. I mean, if people aren't aware of your story, you know, you had a really tough upbringing with your, your, your father was of an alcoholic and into drugs and used to abuse you. I mean, I, I, one story I just saw out there, I'll just share with you was, you know, when you, you even got like, he was hit you even when you was learning to ride your bike. So it was a, a really tough upbringing. And, but like you say, you used wrestling to just, you know, have a, have a get away from all of that. Yeah, the coaches, I learned about mentors, you know, and that was the biggest thing is the coaches were my mentors. I didn't have, you know what I mean, and my father, I mean, I had a, basically I had a shit mentor, you yeah. know, I mean, that, that was supposed to be my example. My example's punching on my mother, punching on my brothers and, you know, and hitting on, I didn't care, if, you know, hitting on me, whatever, but hitting my mom. I mean, who's mm-hmm. supposed to, who goes through life ever, ever in life? And you guys sit and watch your mother get pounded on by some man. Really, you know, as I now that it hasn't helped as I got older, I don't dredge it up. I don't like to sit there and talk about it. like it yeah. hasn't affected me in in a negative way. I won't use them as excuses, but I look at it as my kids are growing up, as my five year old, my son just turned six, and I'm thinking, dude, the things I've already seen, you know, I can't even, I won't even horse play with with Carson's mom, you know, my wife. Her. <laughs> so it's one of the things I can't even discipline the kids in the aspect of there's no swats, there's no, you know, there's I got the daddy's boom, the boom voice. I got a loud voice, yeah. but I don't do none of that. You know, and so for me to have that and to, to witness that, again, it goes back to what we are talking about. He was just a terrible, terrible role model to have. And it's the anger that I have inside from that. Yeah. Again, the wrestling, the coaches, the people that, you know, became involved with me, that talked to me, that helped me. Just kind of, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have known any different. That would have, in in a sad way, that's what I was about to learn how a man's supposed to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Ties in nicely. So we have a, a Yoda question when we say, who helped awaken your alpha? You mentioned some coaches. Was there a particular coach who stood out for you over either young in your career or even right up to present day? My daughter is named Hayden. Hayden Spring, my youngest daughter. Yeah. We named her Hayden. She's named after... Probably the most influential, and that's not to take away from Higa and Blessing, may he rest in peace, and the other coaches I've had. I mean, I love my coaches, but Russ Hayden, because he was also uh, my physical, my PE teacher in junior high, yeah. he became 
Uh, he was part of the high school, and his name his, his name is Russ Hayden. His last name, their last name, his last name is Hayden. So I called. I actually called and asked him, "Hey, you know, I wanted, I was wondering, can I name my, I want to name my child after you, and I can't exactly name her Russ, so <laughs> we named her Head. And my wife was real cool with it. So he's, I mean, when, if you have to hit me rock the top of my mind, bam, the first yeah. name that always comes to mind, the first person that always comes to mind is Russ Hayden. And it was because it was right at that time. It was that junior high, real influential you know, freshman year in high school, that real influential time when this is when everything was happening, when the worst of the worst was happening. And my dad was just the whole separation. It was finally over, so to speak, which was happening. And he, um, you know, wrestling for him and having an individual like that was just, there are no words. That's the thing. There are no words. Name my child after you for one reason, because there are no words to thank you for the gifts you gave to me because I wouldn't be alive without them. My job is going to be, when I'm done fighting, is going to be a mentor. I need to be a mentor. I need to be there for kids and troubled youth. And, you know, at the end of the day, they're going to need somebody. So it's just my turn to give back. One of the things that I love about Wimp to Warrior when I first met it was it was exactly that. It was like taking the beautiful side of MMA, taking the pure, the straight, the fitness, the, the conditioning, the different styles of training, the things that saved my life as, you know, like wrestling and boxing and wanting to be a boxer and wanting to be a world champion, those kind of things that saved my life, that's what Wimp to Warrior offers because 90% of them won't go into a fighting career afterwards. They're doing this as I like to call it the bucket list, and we're going to train and live like a fighter, and I get to do the things that I love, the pure, the wrestling, the conditioning, getting people in shape. Getting in shape means their blood gets flowing. Their blood gets flowing means it frees up their mind. Their minds get freed up. They think better. They're healthier. They're just having a more beneficial lifestyle. And that's what I loved about it because that's what it did for me. Wrestling saved my life. So when I came back to be a coach, now it's my turn to be a mentor. And, you know, even age doesn't really matter when it's a world champion and he's and I come in and, and I give my advice and I'm talking and people are like, you know, there's not a, a quote-unquote 50-year-old man going, I'm not going to listen to that young master. You know what I mean? <laughs> they hear what you're saying. So, again, to create that and build that, that's kind of how this whole step went, this whole transition went, so that I could become a mentor. Oh, well, that's absolutely brilliant. And uh, just to give everyone a sort of timeline of how, where you are right now, you, you officially retired just this year in July, but I'm hearing as well you're doing a little, a little a fight in February 2015 against an Indonesian. Is this, is this right? <laughs> You're coming out of time? Yes, I am. I, I, I'm coming out for two reasons. And it was the, the, the first reason is I've always been deathly afraid of 40. I was uh, scared to death of it. And I mean, when I was a kid, I used to think, oh my God, 40, all, all, you know, <laughs> you know, broke apart. It's going to be this, this horrible age. It's like, oh, there's nothing but death for you or whatever. You know what I mean? When I turned, I'm like, this ain't so bad. Dang, I mean, I feel I'm stronger now, you know, than I was two years ago. But I got into what happened more interestingly. I started lifting weights with my wife and my friend, my friend Brian. We all just kind of started lifting again. And I started from the very beginning. What people don't know about the last five years of my career is I had this sciatic nerve and I had this bulging disc in my back, but I couldn't, whenever it came to squats, yeah. I could put a 45 on each side. And that's as heavy as I could go. I couldn't have weight on me when I was doing squats and things like that. I could do air squats all day and get, yeah. you know, and do lunges like that. But so then I finally, because I had, I was going to, I was teaching my wife who 
was just learning how to start lifting and conditioning and stuff like that. And um, so we just started, we went back to basic. I mean, I literally, we started from just the bar. For the last five years of your career, when obviously you could, well, not barely squat, but you couldn't squat with a great deal of weight on you. And then you had to go into the ring and deal with people obviously trying to kick you down and jump on you. And that must have been tough. Yeah. <laughs> tougher than it could have been. You know, I mean, well, you do what you do, and I'm not going to yeah. make excuses. I'm not going to say, hey, this, because you get in the cage, you get in the cage, you know, you get in the cage, all excuses are over. And it's just, I mean, I was still training. I was still, I was still strong in, in, in different aspects, you know, and, but more than anything, you know, like some people say, well, why would he even do it? Well, you know, I'm learning, and I'm learning, you know, and I'm, I, I learn like anybody else. You learn, but yeah, I couldn't lift, I couldn't lift heavy weights, and it was bad. But now, once me and my wife started lifting and then Brian jumped in and we just started going from basics, you know, I'm up to, I can squat 330 pounds and I can, uh, I do what we call the Lao squat where you go all the way to the floor with 225 pounds. So, and then people just started noticing like, dang, your posture's better, your frame's better. And I have, I'm like, man, I have no pain because if anybody ever asked, what would you retire from? Like this, my feet, man. They're like, well, I can't move my feet and my legs are just not, what they used to be so I built my strength. I can jump rope again. I can do all this stuff. I mean, I'm loving it. Can I ask? Because I heard you got you've got into a bit of CrossFit in the last couple of years. Is that right? Yeah, I started doing a little CrossFit, but then I see what I did is I bailed off the CrossFit, man. I got away from CrossFit and went, no, I'm cool with that because <laughs> I just like I said, I've been out for even though I officially retired in July, I've been out for a year. I haven't I man. haven't done anything for a year. There's nothing better than Olympic lifting. Free weight. Oh, I completely agree. Yeah. Lunge, you know what I mean? Clean squats, overhead squats, building that core. The biggest thing I tell anybody is building your core. And so I had to start over. To build my core, is not, it's not about how much weight you put on. It's about starting over and building your core from the, from the ground up and starting over. And so I worked on my core, and then I worked my way out. See, the one part that once my wife did get involved into it is she's – She's extremely intelligent, extremely smart. She married a world champion on the intellectual side. But once I brought her on board, now she's going to find all of the, you know, the intellectual sides of all this, why it's good, what it does. And she, you know, that's when her brain goes to work. She breaks everything down to the infinite bam. People ask me now, are you making a comeback? No. I mean, I go, look, and here's the other thing. I'm not trying to be the fighter I was, yeah. you know what I mean, when I was the world champion. I'm not trying to do that. Well, I, am I, but here's what I did tell everybody. Am I better than the fighter that was out there the last four years that was on that losing streak mentally and, and losing this and that and physically? Yeah. I can tell you right now, I am a thousand times better than that guy. There's no advantage but. And no, I'm not making a comeback. It just was perfect because, one, I'll be in Australia. So I'll just be the first time I can fight over there in Asia, Malaysia, you know, in, in Indonesia, and I'm not going to have to worry about jet lag. That's never happened. The guy is 16-0, and 0 and he's tough. Yeah. There's another reason why I'm motivated. I was going to say he's undefeated, uh, you know? isn't he? Yeah, this guy you're fighting, undefeated. Um, yeah. You talked about he was excited to let you really get into mentoring and coaching others, and that's obviously you're, you're going over. You've been a coach on The Ultimate Fighter before, and you're going over to Winter Warrior in Australia to be one of the head coaches there for six months. So you've got, you've got your fight as well. Um, and you also mentioned there, you know, the phase in your career where you had four losses in a row. Um, and that's, I just wanted to mention about, you know, there's a brilliant documentary out there, guys, called uh, Driven, which is all about that, that period where you'd had four losses in a row, sort of in 2011. Oh, it was four in the UFC, but I was on a seven. I think I'm going to lose what, Joy? Six in a row? Six, oh. six in a row overall, yeah. It was, 
not good. It was not a good time, man. No, Mentally, I was destroyed. At that stage, were you thinking? Was there ever a part of you thinking, "Oh, this is this is it. This is a sign." Or were you? Because you got to be really mentally tough to, you know, hustle back through all them fights and come back for that for that win. Basically, was that one of the toughest times of your career? It was. It was the hardest thing in the world because you know, I I was extremely happy. I mean, my wife. You know, I'm, you know, I was married, I'm married, I have my kids. I mean, you know, I'm building my family and it's all I ever wanted. I was extremely happy with that, you know, but they're not able to put it together in these fights. And then it becomes like the race car driver gets in a really bad wreck. And next you know, they can't even get in the car. They don't even want to be in that cage. They start to freak out. And they start to, oh my God, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. Mm. And the, luckily, this is the only thing I am thankful for with the way out my upbringing and the way I was going is I'm stubborn. I'm stubborn in the aspect that I needed to turn it around. I have to beat this. I have to beat this or it's going to haunt me for the rest of my life. I have to stay here and stop losing. I'm not, again, I'm not losing because of physical things. I'm not getting knocked out. I'm not getting, you know what I mean? I'm getting submitted. I'm getting caught in things. But it's because my training cast was so, they were, I, I would only give them 70%. I wouldn't yeah. give them 100%. I wasn't. I was too occupied in too many other things, and I was just going into a deep, dark place in my own mind that I had to get out of that. If I didn't, how am I supposed to live the rest of my life knowing that I failed, you know? And it's yeah. not about, and people talk about, oh, but you did this, you won this, you were this. Yeah, but at the end, this happened. I have to find the high note. I have to go out on a high note, or yeah. I'm, I mean, how can you sit there for the next 40 years, 50 years, God willing, and and you know tell your kids don't give up don't quit and knowing that that's what I would have done so I had to use what I've always used athletics have always saved my life wrestling has saved my life since I was a kid there's no difference now so what am I doing right now when people ask why are you fighting you just retired did this simple I got there's a few more regrets I got to get rid of and a hard training camp will help me get rid of a lot of them. absolutely brilliant I mean. Around that time, I mean, it's, it seems throughout your career, you know, you, you, you've been open about it. You've had depression and different things, and, you know, I, I've suffered as well. When that phase of seven fights, were you, just, were you just feeling like crap, or were you actually depressed at that time, do you think, looking back? Yeah, I think, you know what it is? And here's the ironic thing about it, and this is the, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. At first, we were talking about the anxiety, and, you know, and then a, a good friend of mine, Thomas Nunn, was telling me the reason for anxiety really is because, you know, People have anxiety because they have lack of knowledge on a, on, on a subject. Whatever the subject is that, that's hindering them, whatever the subject is that they, you know, that that is on their mind that's driving them. For example, I mean, a money issue or what am I going to do? Those those things create. I don't know how to do this. Things create the anxiety. But if you know it, you plan it out, you map it out, you train it like I do. Learning how to turn everything into what I do know. Yes, I spent my time in a cage. Yes, I became a world champion in that cage. How do you turn that on? Now I've turned all my fighting and training. It relates to everybody, everyday world, business, shopping, whatever this, you know, everyday life. And I'm learning how to transition that over because it does. And all of a sudden, I'm like, okay. And I feel myself with that kind of knowledge. But the biggest thing was what I lacked and what my biggest problem is, I lacked coping skills. Mm. I have no coping skills. And my wife, as she was going through... She's going through, the, again, she's in the nursing school and everything, and she was in the mental side of it. And all of a sudden, now we took off. Nobody's been able to do this before. It was break it down to, and it makes absolute sense. I've lacked the coping skills. 
I'm real good at a routine. And I think a lot of people, they need, I mean, if they relate to themselves, when you have a routine and you're on a schedule, it's real easy. You just kind of get up, just go by the clock. Boom, got this, boom, this, 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 and this. You know what I mean? Every day is like that. I can look at my calendar, and I've told people, you can look at the calendar when I'm in a training camp, and it, you can, it'll be Monday, and you can go, yeah, Friday, 3 o'clock, I know right where it'll be. Wait, it's it. Yeah, you'll be on the bike. Because I'm following this thing to the T. Again, all of a sudden, I'm on 800 calories, and I'm losing this much weight. When I'm not on this calendar, when I'm not on this schedule, when I'm not in a training camp, and I'm freewheeling, oh, yeah. I don't like hiccups. I don't like little things because that's what, that's what starts my coping skills. First thing I do, I flare up. Anthony, when something bad happens, I flare up because these are the defense mechanisms I learned as a kid. These are the things that I grew up with, this shaky, you know, this shaky upbringing where you didn't know one day you're going to get slapped, next day you might be laughing. So I flare up, then I get real loud. (laughs) Then I got to sit down, then I start to pay attention to what it is, and then I try to fix it. So, you know, that's the one thing my wife, I mean, God, love her because she fixed it. So I know now... They're my coping skills. All these things are coping skills. And because of these coping skills, that's when I would start getting the anxiety. That's when I said, because I wouldn't educate myself and try to at least understand the situation. I just start cleaning house. Here it comes. Bull charge right through it. And you know what I mean? And that's where a lot of people, if they can just sit back and think about what I'm saying and how I'm saying it, think about that, how you deal with, we don't do well with change. Yeah. If something comes in and throws a hiccup in the middle of your schedule. How do you handle it? I know, I mean, the calm, cool, collective sit and go, okay, well, this, this, and this, so we need to do this, this, and this. I'm just too busy throwing an F-bomb tantrum over here going, God, 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 you just <laughs> will, you know what I mean? Going's good, and you're anticipating everything, everything's expected. That's when, yeah, everyone can cope. It's when the unplanned things pop up, or maybe things don't go so well. Yeah, and it's, it doesn't help when you're walking around and you're already on eggshells. See, I learned how to walk around on eggshells when I was growing up because... I didn't yeah. know if I was going to get my ass knocked out for no reason. If my mom was going to get punched, I couldn't even sleep at night because this guy was going crazy, you know what I mean, or whatever. So I lived on that show. So now, somehow, because my coping skills were so messed up, at one point, when I was at the – here's the one thing that people don't understand. When I was the world champion and I was, the, I was at the top of the mountain, literally, boom, I hated it. I was miserable because I just kept – guess what? My coping skills were so bad, I'm like, oh, my God, there's people trying to knock me off the mountain. Yeah. Oh my God, I got to get away. I was only good at climbing the mountain. I was only good at trying to chase after my dream and having all those naysayers and all that evil right behind me just and making me run after it. Once I got to the top, I'm like, I didn't like the bullseye on my chest. Yeah, my coping skills are, they're gone. I had to turn 40 to figure out that I have coping issues. <laughs> That's another reason why I wanted to get in the cage because I want to see if it's one thing to learn it, but yeah. once, then it's, again, it's like, hey, I learned how to shoot. I know how to be a soldier, but then all of a sudden you get thrown onto the battlefield. How well can you quote unquote soldier? You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. can I, can I get back in this race car and not go, Oh my God, Oh my God, I got to get out. I got to get out. <laughs> well, when you got into, when That's you, a long answer. Yeah. <laughs> when you switched across from sort of boxing and kickboxing to mixed martial arts, when did you genuinely think you could go all the way? Like what was your awakening type moment? Or was it as serious when you realized how good or how much potential you had? When I first started fighting MMA, I remember they told me, hey, you, you got to stand up with this guy. Huh? You yeah. got to show me well-rounded. Really? Okay. So then I just started punching people. And when I started punching them, I'm like, oof, this is kind of cool. So <laughs> having wrestled all the time, you know, I've spent my whole life wrestling. 
then I could sit there and I started boxing. And then I got, I thought, okay, you know, and I used to love the stand-up. I used to say, yeah, man, I got my stand-up, I got my stand-up. Then I got my, then my lesson was, oh, boy, Dwayne Ludwig hit me with the right hand. He hit me with a shot I never even seen. I'm still on my feet. I ended up fighting for a minute and 40, but I was unconscious for all of it. And <laughs> when that happened, that's when I went, you know what? The, the only way, that's what I told me, the only way to really learn how to do something is you have to get out there and do it. You got to get out of the gym. There's only one way to learn how to throw my hands correctly, become a boxer. So I did. Yeah. And I just started boxing. I mean, that's the best. How else are you going to learn? The only problem was I couldn't do it amateur because I was already a pro as an MMA fighter. So I had to just go pro. And then I ended up finding myself on ESPN the first time. I'm like, oh, oh man. my God. What? <laughs> I know. So our first fight was on, I was on ESPN against this kid that was, uh, he was 3 and 0 with uh, three knockouts. And I'm like, I'm telling my coach, I go, oh, this is going to happen. Because I go, one of these guys can get knocked out early. I'm going to end up on TV. So before you know it, <laughs> here I am, ESPN, go figure. Blimey. And you won that one, didn't you? How did that go? Did it go? Yeah. yeah. Or did, did you knock him out? See, uh, there's the, there's the, no, here's the irony is I was punching from too far out. So I was jabbing my way in from too far out. And Steve Vincent, may he rest in peace, said, what? He hit a, he threw a right hand, dropped me with the hook. First down, boom, right on my ass. I'm like, oh, my God. This is that. <laughs> so then I get back up in the first round, you know, and I, and I get through the round, and I'm thinking, man, all right. So second round, we start boxing again, and he kind of does his weave, and I hit it. I mean, if there wasn't a rope, he was hitting row five. I was putting him through the ropes. <laughs> and so down he went, but he gets up. So we go through that round. Third round, I come back in, I throw a big uppercut, come back to an overhand, and knock him down again. So he goes down in the third, but he gets back up. And then the fourth round, he decided, here, watch this. I'm going to show you what a boxer looks like. And he stayed away and just started picking me apart. Pip, pip, pip. Yeah. But basically, with two knockdowns to one. This is the complete blank around. So all you got to do is complete my sentence, fill, fill in the blank, and we'll find out a little bit more about you. The hardest fight of all time was? Stephen Powell. What happened there? When was that? <laughs> It was the most painful thing I've ever been to, fighting him. And it's not because I won. It's because I remember laying there. He became my brother afterwards. I mean, I loved the man. We beat each other pretty much senseless. It was, it, was, it was in Hawaii. And I have nothing but respect for the Hawaiian culture because back then especially, they were so educated on fighting. And they knew you couldn't walk in there fake, man. You better walk in and be ready. And uh, I remember going in there. We just went, I mean, we just got nasty. I remember laying on the beach the next day just feeling all the knuckle bumps in my head. Just, ah, it was oh. just, oh. Yeah, horrible. horrible. Okay, next one. Your best victory ever was? Winning the world title. Brilliant. Winning the world title against Calhoun. Brilliant. Did you ever fight him again? No. Your biggest mistake in a fight was? Fighting against Joe Lazon. Okay. Was it just, did, did you just have a bad day at the office or did you make a big mistake in the fight? I just, well, I just made a big mistake, backed out with my hands down and he just looked down and he just fired a hook and oh. popped me on the chin. I was just saying, yeah, because from watching uh, the MMA, MMA fights, it seems like literally it just takes one slip, one mistake and it completely it turns. It takes one punch, man. You, well, that's the thing is you got to worry about, you got to worry about submissions, takedowns, foot locks, arm locks. Knees, elbows, crunches, this, this, you know. And you got these little four-ounce gloves on. So every now and then, I just made one mistake. I backed up with my hands out, which you never do. Yeah. And boom, you know. Yeah. 
Because, yeah, because I've seen so many fights where it looks like it's completely in the bag. The guy's got it absolutely dominated, but then there's one mistake or the other guy sees an opportunity, completely switches it. It's, it's probably why it's like... That takes, it just takes two seconds to get your hands around someone's neck and squeeze. <laughs> yeah, okay. Your favorite film of all time is... Snatch. Snatch? The English one? Oh, yeah. Oh, quality. Yeah. That is awesome. Favorite, we both oh, favorite, favorite stick on the planet. Oh, I love that. I love Brad Pitt in that one. It's just a, where he's just like, oh, yeah, like there's a pikey man. That's why Brad Pitt is like my Pitt is my my hero, man. He's out there all the time. He's the pikey. I still watch it. I love no, it. That is awesome. It's, yeah, I love Statham as well. Jason Statham's call it in there as well. Brilliant. Oh, now here's the story I'm gonna tell you about Jason Statham. Yeah. And then he'll forever, forever have my. I love this man. But back in the day, when the UFC before it became the huge iconic spectacle that it is now. Yeah. Not too many people would show up for the the prelims, you know, the pre-fight. One time I was sitting there, there's not too many people out there watching the prelims, and I look up a couple other people, oh my, oh my God, this oh. Jason said, he was there, he watched every one of them. It was like you knew that he was a dedicated martial artist, dedicated striking, fighting fan, you know, not yeah. just UFC fan, but he just loved fighting, because back then it wasn't that big, but he was sitting there, and I was like, oh my God, you know what I mean? Of course, I'm a, I'm a horrible fan. I'm terrible at being starstruck. And, uh, but I sat there and I, I was sitting there and I got to say hi to him and everything like that. To me, that's always stuck out. I've always remembered that about that's him. Brilliant. My, uh, my opinion of him has just gone up even higher. That's awesome. <laughs> well, I'm, he's yeah, going to be on his show. Very cool. We're getting him on. You retired, uh, you know, obviously in J- July this year, but I've also seen quotes where, you, you know, you've mentioned you should have retired in 2011 around the time of the movie Driven. Why was that? Why do you think potentially you should have retired then? When I was 15, yeah. 15 years old, 16 years old, we were in the bathroom, and I made a vow. I made a promise. I told him. I said it. One day, man, we was crying. We was all beat up. We was huddled up in the bathroom. I said, one day, man, I'm going to get so famous, I'm going to tell everybody about you. And this is my, this is my speech. When in a world where people drive right by you and there's a family broke down on the side of the road and every car is just jumping by or people are too busy. And understandably, I get it and I know it. That they're busy doing their own thing to turn around and help you or handle what you're doing or listen to what you've got going on. And they just drive right by you because they have their own thing. You know, their heads are focused on what they have going on. To be able to go into a world where I can make, I'm going to get so famous, people will stop and they will listen to what I, they will listen to my story. And now in a world where people, they will take two, three, four minutes out of their day to say hi to me. That's a gift. That's an amazing, that's an incredible gift. And so I said, I told him, one day, man, I'm going to make this movie. I'm going to become a world champion. I'm going to get famous, and I'm going to make this movie tell everybody about you. That's what I said. I didn't realize that that was that underlying motivation that drove me through everything. So I think once that happened, fire stopped, and I don't know. You know, I think... Mentally, then I had to figure out. Until now, thank God, you know, for my wife, I'd learned, had to figure out what, the, what am I going to use athletics for now? What is, what is fighting going to do for me now? Which I mean by that is, wrestling saved my life as a kid, kept me away from the drugs, the alcohol. You know, I mean, I have a brother serving 55 years in prison, and this is, you know, he didn't wrestle. I did. My little brother wrestled with me as a master's in literature. You know what I mean? So, yeah. and we stayed together. He's been in my corner every single fight. So, athletic savior. I did this. I got to make that story. Well, now what do I do? You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's one of the things I probably should have retired back then, but I wasn't done. Just like now, I'm not 
and yeah. I thought I was. I'm not done using athletic to fix me and get old and, and have a smile on my face. Okay, well, we're pretty much to the alpha round. This is where you're going to sort of share any resources, recommendations. And wonder if you've got an all-time favorite book along the journey that you think would be worthwhile recommending. Not too many people know, but there's a book called Never. Who's that one? N-E-V-E-R. Okay. Uh, Tim McKinnon. You talked a lot about your, your wife there is helping you with your sort of your mental training now and, and having sort of keeping you consistent and having strategies to cope. Is there any resources or tips you can give to people as well to help them stay on the straight and narrow? You got to figure out the situation. You have to yeah. give it a name. But you have to know what it is so that you can start to do your homework. You have to start to learn. You have to educate. So giving yourself the opportunity and having the knowledge of the subject that you're worried about. That's the biggest thing is I never did it. Take the time, and it's, it's old school, man. I've heard it, and I'm, now that I say it, I'm remembering this. Take the time to educate yourself about yeah. the situation before you just go off like Jen and just start just so freaking. <laughs> Take the time, read, understand. And, and they say it all the time. People say it all the time. You should educate yourself before you speak. Learn about what you're saying before you speak. Or, you know what I mean? Read both sides, and it's, that's basically knowledge, you know? understand the subject that's causing you the problems and beat it don't just run from it right this is a little yin yang round where i'm just going to hit you with some 50 50 options and you just go with your gut and we'll find out a little bit more about you as, as well and what your uh, what your likes and dislikes are being a world champion or undefeated world champion knockout or tap out oh knockout <laughs> Okay, and I think I've, you might have answered this one already from what you're saying about the documentary, but being in a documentary or having a video game made about you? Video game. That is very cool. We haven't even mentioned that. Supposedly, I've been in a few of the UFC games, but see, the reason why, too, though, is I'm such a gaming nerd. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the biggest one of the nerd on the planet. I'm a gaming freak. I love it. You know what I mean? Love it. Quality. Well, we just, uh, my last interview was actually with, with uh, Anna Prosser Robinson, who's like a, an e-gaming, like yourself, like just madness. She does all the presenting for all the e-gaming competitions and uh, yeah, she's married to like a professional oh. gamer. So that's, that's going to be our next what? week. That's just coincidence as well. <laughs> Very cool. We talked a lot about gaming. Obviously. I'll look it up. Yeah, I'll look it up. I'll go to the site and look at it, yeah. I think it's going to be the episode before you actually, the one right next to you. So it'll be on the same week. Yeah, I'll look for it. If you had their preference, kick or punch? Punch. Commentating or coaching? Oof, commentating. Ah, so I, I saw that you, you really love your commentating now. You get the best seat in the house and you get to talk a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It's a lot of fun, you know, and it gives you, and the reason why is, you know, I commentate if you get to watch the sport that helps me and makes me become a better coach. So yeah. I love commentating. Always did. Yeah. Going to ground or striking? Stand up striking. Striking. Cool. And uh, I'm actually, this is the, one of the first times on a question from a fan or a listener. Um, this is from Stefan in the UK because he's a big fan when I mentioned to him that I was interviewing you and he said, oh, you've got to ask him this. His question was basically linked to CrossFit because I think he's quite big into his CrossFit. Would you have changed anything in your training sort of back in the day, knowing what you know now about your training? You said recently you're quite strong and you, you, well, you're stronger in a lot of ways. Would you have changed anything major if you went back and had a chat to your younger self? when it comes to your training. If I could have a conversation with the 34-year-old gents, then yeah, I would change a lot. I would change a lot. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to change now. 
Is there any key things you would have changed? What, what do you think you, you could have improved a lot on or just tweaked? I think the biggest thing would have been the, the amount of time, you know, the enthusiasm, the excitement, the yeah. ability to learn new things, the ability to watch tape, study it, stop treating it like, like it's a punishment, go in yeah. here and, and just hang out and have fun and learn new stuff, you know. I would have spent more time with uh, Matt Hume, that's for damn sure, you know, and uh, Duke Rubens was a lot of fun working with him, you know, so I think, you know, I would I would have went out and experienced more and explored more as things started getting stagnant. Learn how to change it up a little bit to give you that, you know, that new fire. Yeah. That fire to, you know, to get back in there and keep training. When I didn't fight, I didn't do anything. So I started, basically, training camps became, you know, um, just a way, that's just when I got in shape. I wasn't learning. Training camp was me just trying to get the fat off and get back to what I used to be. Yeah, I wasn't improving. Conor McGregor, he actually said it best. That's what happens to people when they get to the top. Is they just start training to get back to where they what got them. They're just going to train and strengthen what they are now. Yeah. But the real champions, they'll keep evolving, 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 evolving. Problem was, I was evolving, but I'm learning. How, I was doing it mentally, outside of the sport. That's what I needed more than I needed physically. It's really interesting talking to some people about, like you said, once they everyone talks about the challenge of getting there, but it's interesting to get the insight from you of when you're at the top. And uh, it's how tough that is and how the mentality changes. It's very interesting. Cool. Oh, without a doubt. Who do you recommend that I should interview next or very soon? One who you think would be spot on and another one you think is unreachable for me. Oh, from my network, I would say, you know, unreachable would be Dana White. Dana White. Yeah, I think, I think Richie Cranny actually recommended him as well. Same sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Then they'd be unreachable. Yeah. They'd be unreachable. <laughs> I think. Yeah. But I one? think on the interview side, I tell you, I tell you, would you know, it's, it's the uh, breaking your alpha. That would be getting like Felice Eric would be. She's like my little sister. Oh, she's, what's her name? Sorry. Oh, Felice Eric. She's just coming off that Ultimate Fire. She just won in her UFC debut. Oh, brilliant! Absolutely quality. She's got a hell of a story. Cool. Hell of a story. What's the one question you hoped I was going to ask or you thought I'd ask and you, you can't believe I've missed it? If you didn't ask it, I probably threw it into my 25-minute answers anyway. <laughs> Man, I love interviewing you. It, it, was, it was a pleasure because, like you say, you, you gave really good answers. <laughs> I told you. I told you what to get going. What's the one way people can like, find out more about you? We mentioned there's, there's a video game out there. There's a documentary. What's the best place? Yeah, there's Jens underscore Pulver is on Twitter. Jens underscore Pulver. And then you got just Jens Pulver on Facebook. My fan page is the one. It's me with uh, two of my UFC titles. I'm constantly active on that fan page. What does the future hold for you? We've talked about you've got your, your one fight 2015. Is that potentially going to be your last fight or are you just going to take it, take it day by it's day? It's got to potentially be the last. No, that's got to be it, man. That's my bucket <laughs> list. That's got to be That's got to be it, you know? I did my one at 40, has to be it. But my big thing is, you know, again, I went to Warrior, man. 100% went to Warrior. That's what I'm, that's what I'm, what I want to do. Those are, I mean, I'm so excited to get, again, you're taking people that, you know, they get to come from their world and go into my world and I get to give them just the, in it, the beautiful side of it, the training, the fitness, the different yeah. kind of lifestyle. It just means the world to me. I'm about to be an Australian for six months. 
That's and awesome, yeah. My family knows I love the death, but I'm going to be out there. Have, I'm going to be training and having a good time and, and coaching. And Are you going to bring Wimp to Warrior to America, do you think? So I, it's going to go global. This I would love to, and I want to. I absolutely want to. I mean, I think there's. I think it would do well here because, again, it's like the biggest loser meets a portion of the ultimate fighter, yeah. and that's Wimp to Warrior, you know, and I want people to see that style. That's awesome, man. It's, it's so close. It's exciting hearing about it. When you literally head out there, must be in... What, about two or three weeks? Is that right? Yeah, yeah I'll be here in January. Oh, brilliant. I can finish up. I'll be training and finishing up for the fight over there in Sydney. Absolutely awesome. Well, gents, I'd like to just finish the show then. Is there a particular sort of alpha or success quote or just a quote that you really like to live your life by that resonates with you? Is there any that spring to mind? Oh, mine is chin down, hands up, come out swinging, fight every day. <laughs> Perfect. Well... Thank you so much. And it's been an absolute pleasure, Jim. Right, Check out this fantastic podcast. Do the little guy a favor. Subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my bag. The Alpha Ultimatum, my 10-week malperformance mentoring. Build your body, build your mind, live limitless. Get 2015 started right. Go to adamlewiswalker.com, click get involved, and you have the application form right there. Thank you so much for listening today. Please connect with all the social media of Awaken Your Alpha. It's Facebook, Awaken Your Alpha. Twitter, at Awaken Your Alpha. Instagram as well, it's at Awaken Your Alpha. So all some great ways to stay in touch. But please, subscribe to the podcast and leave us a little review. It takes literally 60 seconds, but we really appreciate your feedback. And it will help us continue to grow this one. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Live limitless.